While Lassiter reluctantly took a shower so he could play chauffeur, Sean took the opportunity to go through his things. It's been Sean's experience that organized people always had a Monica closet. Monica Geller fooled everyone for years into thinking she was the quintessential clean freak, until Chandler stumbled on that closet with all the junk stuck inside, nearly bursting right out of it. Sean wanted to find Lassiter's Monica closet. The wisdom inherent in friends hadn't let him down yet. He checked the drawers and under the bed, but all he found in the drawers were gun magazines, and the only thing he found under the bed was one of his own socks that had been M.I.A. since his last visit here. Sean listened at the door to make sure the water was still running, and then went to check the rest of the house. There was no attic. The hall closet held a broom and some spare sheets. Sean had already seen the garage. Laster was one of those odd, rare people that actually kept the garage clean enough that he had space to park his car. The basement was his last hope. Sean opened the door and flipped on the light. He grinned. Jackpot. Sean started down the steps and was pulled to an abrupt stop. Going somewhere? Laster asked, all freshly cleaned in a new suit. Sean turned to face him. I wanted to see your basement. You know, compare notes. I just finished organizing my father's, and I thought you might have some useful tips. But obviously your method of storage is to just toss a bunch of random stuff down the stairs and see where it lands. Laster frowned at him. It's not that bad, he said, looking back at it. It's just the stuff I don't have time to deal with. I'll organize it for you, Sean offered. Laster narrowed his eyes. What's the catch? He asked. No catch, Sean said. I love to clean. Ask anyone. You have three weeks of dishes in your sink, Laster said. I don't count dishes, Sean said. Dishes are a whole other thing. No one likes cleaning dishes or cutlery of any kind. You just want to go through my stuff, Laster said, pulling him out of the basement and shutting the door. There's nothing special down there. You have a ten-foot stuffed panda down there, Sean said. Tell me there's not a story behind that. It's only three feet, and there's no story. I just want it at a carnival. Laster said, Look, we don't have time for this. I thought we were going to investigate. Right, Sean said, though his fingers were itching to reopen that door. Eveline, Holly, murderer on the loose. You're right. First thing first. I'll go through your stuff later. I'm not letting you organize my basement, Laster said. Okay, Sean said. That's your choice. I respect it. I promise when I come back to go through your stuff later, I'll make a point not to organize it at all. Laster sighed and pressed the palm of one hand against his forehead. You're not going to let this go, are you? He asked. Are you going to tell me you haven't gone through my stuff? Sean asked. Frankly, Sean, I'm afraid to go through your stuff. Laster said. There's probably a dozen things I could arrest you for just in your bedside drawer. Impersonating an officer, impersonating a health inspector, impersonating a rodeo clown. Are you sure that last one is against the law? Sean asked. I don't think you can actually prove that I'm not a rodeo clown. You're kind of missing the point, Laster said. Is the point that you have stuff in your basement that could get you arrested? Sean asked. Do you keep stolen goods in the panda? No, Laster snapped. Then you're right. I'm missing the point, Sean said. Why can't I go through your stuff again? Because we're leaving, Laster said in irritation, and steered Sean to the front door. Sean decided to let it go for now, and climbed into the passenger side of Lassiter's car. Laster pulled out of the driveway and glanced at Sean, obviously trying to distract him. Was your father really here? 
I know you're changing the subject, Sean said. I'm going to let you get away with it only because I think you have a right to know that, yes, my father did come to your house. He knows where you live. Be afraid. Henry's been here before, Sean. He was here after Drimmer, Laster said, and then grimaced. He came over for poker a few times before that. Poker? Sean asked. And you didn't invite me? You probably cheat, Laster said. Is counting cards cheating? Sean asked. I don't think so. Everyone has their own way to play. I can't help that my way of playing is better than most. What I'm trying to say is, I'm not afraid of your father, Laster said. You looked pretty terrified the other day, Sean told him. I've had time to process it since then, and I've decided it's really ridiculous, being intimidated by Henry, Laster said. Henry wouldn't do anything crazy. Pretty much everything Henry does is crazy, Sean said. You only know police officer Henry, who plays poker and likes to fish. You haven't quite gotten to know Dad Henry yet, and while I think it's really adorable how you're not scared, Dad Henry is the craziest Henry of all. Everyone thinks that about their dad, Laster said. Henry is not a normal dad. He's like every crazy sitcom dad ever rolled into one. He nailed my window shut once, Sean said. Can you believe that? Were you using it to sneak out? Laster asked. Of course, Sean said, but it was still excessive. He also used to follow me on dates. One weekend he even set up a whole fake vacation, said he was going out of town with my mom, and the whole time they were at a motel a couple of blocks away. He wanted to know what I would do when I thought he was out of town. He set up a sting on his 16-year-old son, and then got all self-righteous when I threw a party. He sets me up to fail. Sean. Laster started. Sean ignored him and glanced out the side window. And then, of course, you know about the time he arrested me. You stole a car, Laster said. I borrowed a car, Sean said. I read the report, Laster said. You hotwired it. If my dad didn't want me to hotwire cars, he shouldn't have shown me how to do it, Sean protested. He overreacts about every little thing. Look, Laster said. At least he cares, okay? My father never did any of those things. You're lucky, Sean said. Laster pulled to a stop in front of Acres and Groves. He never did those things because he wasn't there to do them, he said, glancing over at Sean. At least Henry was trying. Lassie, Sean started, but Laster climbed out of the car, slamming the door behind him. Sean followed him out. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Laster pulled his shades off. I'm not here officially, he said. I can't flash my badge to get people talking. Sean winced. Laster was getting good at switching the topic of conversation. Don't worry, I never have trouble getting people talking, he said. Just follow my lead. We're health inspectors, Laster asked dryly. I left all my fake IDs in my bedside drawer, so we'll have to wing it, Sean told him, and entered Acres and Groves. Acres and Groves looked more like a nice hotel than the horror film set that was Wispy Sunny Pines, but it still had the cloying air that could always be found in hospitals, antiseptic and ammonia, and something else. Sean stopped at the reception desk and rang the bell. Laster stood behind him, scanning everything with narrowed eyes. A woman in pink hospital scrubs with little blue and purple hearts on them walked over to the counter. She had short cropped hair, dyed Ronald McDonald red, and about nine different piercings Sean could spot just on her face. Three on each ear, one on the nose, and one on the lip, one in the tongue. Laster was staring at her in horror, but Sean liked to think he was more hip about stuff like that. He glanced at her ID. 
Her name was Molly Raines. Groovy piercings, Molly, he said. She raised a pencil-thin eyebrow. Groovy, she echoed. Hasn't that word made a comeback yet? Sean asked. Groovy? Psychedelic? Psychedelic is a favorite of mine for personal reasons, but didn't seem to apply. Are you here to check yourself in? She asked in a sato voice, aimed to keep him calm. Oh, four. Blaster snapped before pushing Sean out of the way. We're here about Holly Graves. Oh, thank God, she said. Her demeanor switched from wary to relieved in a few seconds flat. I was so afraid no one was going to come. I called weeks ago. Laster opened his mouth, and this time Sean was the one to push him aside. We're sorry it's taken us so long to get back to you. He said, what has happened to Holly? She's gone, Molly said. She just disappeared one day. We searched the whole hospital. None of the alarms were ever set off. She was just gone. Why wasn't this reported to the police? Laster demanded. This isn't a prison. Holly was put here at the request of her father, not for any crime, Molly said defensively. Mr. Graves didn't want anything reported. He said he knew where she was, but I didn't believe him. I tried to get in touch with Mr. Matthias, but I couldn't seem to find him. Aldous Matthias the Seventh? Sean inquired. Yes, Molly said, and then started to look a little suspicious. I assumed you were here on his behalf. I left a dozen messages with him. Of course we are, Sean said. But as you know, there were six other Aldous Matthaeuses before him, and it doesn't hurt to be exact. I guess, Molly said bemusedly, before turning back to Lassiter. Anyway, Mr. Graves called and said Holly wouldn't need to come back, but now he won't return any of my calls. I wanted to make sure she was all right. You seem close with her, Sean said. Did you bond over your rhyming names? We were kind of friends, Molly said quietly before glancing behind her to make sure they were alone. You're not really supposed to do that, I mean. Be nice, right, but not become friends. Except, Holly was different. She wasn't like the others. She didn't belong here. What was she diagnosed with? Laster said. Don't you know? she demanded. I thought you were friends with the family. We are, Sean said. But everything we know about it we heard from Harvey. And I think we both know he would have said anything to excuse keeping Holly here. Molly sighed. You know about that? she asked. He's awful. Makes these huge donations to this place. Gets a wing named after her. All in return for keeping her safely locked out of his sight. And all unofficial like. You won't find her name on any of our records. And do you know he only visits her once a year on her birthday? At least Mr. Matthias was here every day. But you didn't hear any of this from me. She never had any other visitors? Laster asked. No, Molly said. She always told me Andy was going to show up every day, but whoever he was, he never did. And how long was Holly here for? Laster asked. About fifteen years? Molly guessed. Since long before I started, anyway. You never told us what was wrong with Holly? Sean asked. Molly frowned. Well, she wasn't like other people. She wasn't perfect. But she didn't have to be here, she said. Her diagnosis was always tentative. Doctors thought maybe some Asperger syndrome, but she functioned fine mostly, just a little odd, has trouble relating to others, making connections, but she's smart, read books I'd need a dictionary to understand. In my opinion, she could easily be living on her own, but I'm not a doctor, right? So what do I know? You think she was smart enough to sneak out of here without setting off any of the alarms? Sean asked. She must have, Molly nodded. 
because I know she left on her own. She left me a note. Do you still have it? Laster demanded. No, Molly said. But I remember what it said. Just, goodbye, I'm going to find Andy. That's all. And you don't know who that is? Sean asked. No idea, Molly said. But I hope she finds him. She deserves better than she's had. One last question, Laster said. When exactly did Holly leave here? Two weeks ago, Sean answered. Molly glanced at him, startled. Yes, almost to the day, she said. Thank you, Molly. You've been a great help, Sean said, before spinning around and starting for the doors. Laster followed him. You're on to something, Laster said. Not yet, Sean said. I'm still piecing it all together, but we're close. I'd say we're more than close, Laster said as they got into the car. Holly spends fifteen years exiled to this place, breaks out, kills Harvey, and then goes after Eveline. No, Sean said. What? What do you mean, no? Laster demanded. You're the one that figured it out. You were right. No, there's something not quite right about that, Sean said. We are missing something. We've got motive means opportunity, Laster said. Just what are we missing? Andy, Sean said. Who's Andy? She was crazy, Laster said. It was probably her imaginary friend. And did she build that wall space by herself? Sean asked. No, she had help. Someone was helping her. Maybe someone still is. Even if someone is, I still have to call this in. You know that, Laster said. Call it in? Sean asked. Call it in where? The station, Sean, Laster said. They need to go pick Holly up. For what? Sean demanded. Well, let's see. She's an escapee from a mental institution, stinking around and living in a hidden room, he said. And someone's been trying to kill Eveline in her home. Guess who gets to be suspect number one? The butler? Sean asked. I admit that Alfred is growing on me, but I'm not ready to count him out yet. He's the only one to consistently visit Holly. Holly needs to be brought in, for her own good as much as anyone else's. Laster said, I'm calling O'Hara. They need to take her in for questioning. This is a bad idea, Sean said. We should just go there alone, talk to Holly, try to figure out what's really going on here. I'm not working this case officially, and I'm not letting you anywhere near some crazed potential killer. Laster snapped. We do this by the book. I'm sure O'Hara will let you talk to Holly just as soon as we have her in custody. Fine, Sean snapped and sunk low into the passenger seat. Laster let him sulk and pulled out his phone to call O'Hara. O'Hara, Lassiter. It seems that Harvey Graves has a daughter that spent the last 15 years over at Acres and Groves. She snuck out a couple weeks ago and has been hiding in the mansion ever since. Sean, despite all appearances of nonchalance, strained to hear Juliet's response. Got it, she answered. I'll get a team together and go pick her up now. You think she's dangerous? Laster glanced at Sean, who looked away. It's always safer to assume they are, he told her before hanging up. He started up the car and pulled out quickly. We'll go there, okay? Once she's secured, I'm sure you can talk to her. But I told you before, you can't keep running off to try and catch these people alone. You're not trained for this. Sean didn't answer him. Instead, he turned away and braced one of his feet against the glove box. He saw Laster's mouth tighten, worrying about footprints on his flawless interior, no doubt, but he ignored it. What, you're not talking to me now? Laster demanded. Sean crossed his arms. I don't do long silences, he said resentfully, but that's the only reason I'm still talking to you. 
I'm just doing my job, Blaster said, and whether you like it or not, part of that job is protecting you. Well, my job was a lot easier when you didn't care what happened to me, Sean said petulantly. I can take care of myself. I've done it for years without help from anyone. Well, except for Gus, but he doesn't count. I'd be doing the same thing with anyone, no matter my personal feelings, Laster snapped. I resent the implication that I wouldn't. How many times since you've known me have I been wrong about a case? Sean asked quietly. Laster's hands tightened on the steering wheel, but he didn't answer. Yeah, Sean said, leaning back in the seat and putting on his sunglasses. That's what I thought. Sean and Laster didn't speak for the rest of the ride. Sean's fingers itched to turn on the radio just to have some sound, but knowing Laster it was probably tuned to NPR, and all in all he'd prefer the awkward silence. Sean pushed the sunglasses back on his head and sat up straighter when they pulled into the driveway of the mansion. There were three patrol cars in front, with lights flashing but no sirens. He could spot Jules and Buzz amongst all the bulletproof vest-wearing officers standing on the front steps talking to Eveline. Do you think she brought enough backup? Sean asked snidely. We need enough people to search the house, Laster told him calmly. You wouldn't be here at all if you weren't our best shot at finding her quickly. Laster got out of the car and slammed the door, and Sean was tempted not to help. It would probably take them hours to find that hen room without him, and she might not even be there. But one way or another, Holly couldn't keep living like that. She had to be found. Sean got out of the car and joined Lassiter, Jules, and Buzz at the doorway. Eveline smiled gratefully when she saw him. Sean, I don't know what's going on. They want to search the house for Holly, but I don't think it's necessary. Really, I... Sean wanted to agree with her, but he didn't. Holly left a psychiatric hospital without permission, Sean said. She may need help. We need to find her. We'll all be very careful, won't we? Of course, Juliet said reassuringly. After a moment, Eveline nodded and stepped back. She grabbed Sean's arm when he went to follow the others. They said Holly might have killed Harvey, she said. Do you think that's true? I need to speak with her before I know anything for sure, Sean said. Eveline nodded and let him go. Laster and Juliet were waiting for him by the hallway. Sean, do you know where she is? Juliet asked him. Sean pointed to the stairway. She'd go somewhere she felt safe. She'd probably be in her father's room. Sean, Laster said tightly. Sean heaved a sigh and pointed to the other hallway. Okay, she'd probably be in the hidden room down that way. He started towards the hallway, and Laster grabbed him by the back of his shirt before turning him towards the other hall. Wrong hall, Laster snapped. Stop messing around and show us the room. Okay. Sean said, slipping out of Laster's grip. Fine. If you already know where she is, then why don't you lead the way? Harvey's office, Laster said, staring at Sean the whole time. It's this way. Sean followed Juliet and Lassiter, walking beside Buzz. Juliet motioned for the rest of the officers to spread out. The lights in the hall still weren't working, but there was enough spare sunlight that they could see where they were going. Juliet went into the office first, gun out to secure the room. Lassiter ushered Sean in after her, while Buzz stayed to guard the door. Okay, Sean, where is it? Laster said. Sean pointed to the wall. There somewhere, he said. Just look for a crack in the wallpaper. I can't remember exactly. Stay back, Laster told Sean. Laster and Juliet ran their hands over the wall, searching for any break. 
He figured Sean knew exactly where the door was, but was just purposely being vague. That was to be expected, but after a moment, Laster realized that Sean had listened to the order to stay back. Sean never did as he was told. That's when he started to worry. Laster spun back around, and the room behind him was empty. Sean was gone. He went to the doorway. McNabb, he snapped. Where did Spencer go? He didn't go anywhere. He's still in the room, Buzz said. Lassiter? Juliet asked. What's wrong? Laster narrowed his eyes at the opposite wall. Unlike Sean, he made no claims of prescience, but he still knew he should have seen this coming. He lied. The door's hidden on the other wall, he snapped, moving towards it. He scanned the wallpaper until he spotted the door, but when he pressed against it, nothing happened. He slammed a hand against the door. Spencer! Spencer! You open this damn door! Hi, Holly, Sean said as he turned the lock on the door behind him. Holly stared at him with wide eyes. She didn't look much older than her picture, though she had to be thirty by now. She was wearing the same torn white dress he'd seen her in before, with a big bow half untied on the back of it. Her blonde hair was braided all the way down to her waist. "'You shouldn't be here,' she said. "'This room is secret.' "'I didn't mean to interrupt,' Sean said, stepping closer, with his hands out, palms up. "'What are you doing?' She was sitting on her bed and writing on the back of a magazine in purple pen. Streams of words that couldn't really be seen overlaid on top of a Maybelline ad. Someone took my diary, she told him. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That was me, Sean said. That's stealing, she said sternly. And you're not supposed to lock the door. That's for emergencies only. This kind of qualifies, Sean said. Holly, do you know who I am? You were in the hall last night, but I don't talk to strangers, she said. I shouldn't be talking to you now. Sean could hear Laster pounding on the door, shouting for him to open it. Holly winced at the noise, but ignored it. I'm Sean Spencer. I was hired by Eveline to help. See, I'm not a stranger if you know my name, he said. I talked to Molly today. She's worried about you. Molly's my friend, Holly said, but I had to go away from there. Why did you have to leave, Holly? he asked. Andy wouldn't come see me, so I had to go find her, Holly said. She said we're going to be okay now that Harvey's gone. Who is Andy? Sean asked. She tucked me in and made me cookies with chocolate chips, but not any more. She was sent away, Holly said. I hid where I couldn't be found, or I would have been sent away too. I'm sorry, Sean said. Outside he could hear Laster screaming orders. He didn't seem to care that he wasn't supposed to be here officially anymore. Have you been sleeping here? I don't sleep well, Holly said. This room is smaller than it was before. I see things when I sleep and I don't like it. I have bad dreams too, Sean said. There's no such thing as bad dreams, she said. There's dreams and there's nightmares. They're different things. Sean nodded. Then I don't have dreams anymore, at least not at night. Holly watched him carefully for a moment, before nodding and turning away. She used to come here, you know. Sweet dreams, sweet dreams. But never there. I never saw her there. It's why I came back. It's why I came home. What about your father? he asked. I called him Harvey. He was very strict about that, she said. 
Hello, Harvey. How are you today? I am well. Goodbye, Harvey. Have a pleasant evening. He taught you to do that? Say those things? Sean asked. Oh, yes. He taught me to say lots of things so I would seem normal, she explained. Do I seem normal? Is it working? You're doing just fine, Sean said. I need you to tell me more about Andy. Andy? I always call her Andy, you know. Harvey and Andy, Holly said. Are you doing well today? You look very well. Have a pleasant evening. Andy was your mother, Sean said in realization. Oh, you mustn't call her that, Holly said. It's Andy. It's always been Andy. No one knows, you see. I'm the secret. You don't have to be a secret anymore, Sean said. The pounding behind them was growing louder. Sean could pick out Laster's voice in the crowd, demanding again for him to open the door. He stopped closer to Holly instead. Andy said it was my fault. If I had been better, smarter, Harvey would have married her instead. We would have been a family, she said. But he didn't want a daughter like me, so that's why he's just Harvey. Do you know what happened to Harvey? Sean asked. I found him dead in the pool, Holly said, tracing a model's eye with the purple marker like she was drawing on eyeshadow. I dragged him out, but he was still dead. Did you see what happened? Sean asked. Holly didn't meet his eyes. I had to stay out of his way. He wanted to send me back, she said, but he couldn't send me back if he couldn't find me. I'd hear him sometimes, working at his desk on the other side of the wall. What about Aldous? Sean said. Aldous helped me, Holly said and smiled. He had this wall built when Andy asked him. He brings me food. Sometimes he tells me stories. Sean could see something like a crowbar jammed into the edge of the door, and he knew they didn't have long. Holly, some of my friends are out there. They're going to want you to go with them. They want to take me back, she said sadly. Yeah, Sean said, but I'm going to prove that you haven't done anything wrong. Holly turned to look at Sean. How can you be sure I haven't? I'm psychic, Sean said. Holly laughed. No, you're not, she said, and the door slammed open behind her. Two of the officers gently grabbed her by both arms, while Laster slipped past them to Sean. Are you all right? he demanded. Sean nodded. Goodbye, Sean, Holly said. It was nice to meet you. I hope you have a very pleasant evening. Sean stepped towards her, and Laster grabbed him. Hey, slow down, Laster snapped. It's going to be okay, Sean called after her. That's what Andy said, too, she said as she led her from the room. But it wasn't true. Sean had stopped fighting Laster's hold, waiting instead until he let go to step away. What the hell was that, Spencer? Laster asked. Did she lock the door, or did you? I think you already know the answer to that, Sean said. You don't lock yourself in a room with a crazy murder suspect, Sean. What is the matter with you? Laster demanded, grabbing Sean's arm to spin him around so they were face to face. I had to know for sure, Sean said. What? Laster snapped. What did you have to know that was so damn important? That she was innocent, Sean said. Laster reached up to pinch the bridge of his nose, but it did nothing to stall the headache that he felt coming on. Is this like with Cyril? I was right about Cyril, Sean said. Not completely, Laster snapped. You went into this convinced she was innocent? Why? What do you know that I don't? I know she's not a killer, he said. You know her father used to make her rehearse? Little phrases for her to say when other people were around? Hello, how are you today? That kind of thing. Over and over. She has it written hundreds of times in that diary we found. But I didn't realize why until now. 
Laster heaved a sigh and lowered his hand. Sean, I know what it's like to constantly disappoint your father, Sean said. We do okay now, but this is actually the closest we've been since I was eleven years old. I know what it's like, and Holly's never had someone to speak up for her. You're not anything like her, and everything you just said, that sounds like motive to me, Laster said quietly. She had every reason to hate him. She had every reason to, but she didn't, Sean said. She didn't come back here for revenge. She came back here because she wanted a home. She wanted a family. She's mentally unstable, you know that, Laster said. She's going to be safer in custody. Either way, they're going to get her help. She doesn't need their help, Sean said. She needs mine. If she's innocent, we're going to prove it, Laster said. We're just doing it the right way. What you need to be doing is finding Andy, Sean said. The imaginary friend? Laster asked. She's not imaginary. She's Holly's mother, Sean said. As far as we can tell, Holly doesn't even have a birth certificate. We can't find her mother. I'll make sure O'Hara asks Holly about Andy, but we can't just let Holly go because you've got a hunch. Right, of course not, Sean said and started for the door. I'll find her myself. Laster brushed past him and blocked the doorway out. You're still not trusting me. Shouldn't that be my line? Sean asked. I'm the one asking to be believed. You said before with Cyril that you only couldn't trust me because I was lying to you, but I'm not lying now, and you're still not listening to me. Because you're not explaining your reasons any better than you did before, Laster said. Sean laughed. Right. You want me to trust you, but you're the one that keeps asking me to explain myself. I'm not going to keep trying if you're not going to listen to what I say. You've got Holly in custody. Congratulations. Go have a drink and celebrate. Sean ducked under Laster's arm and went out the door. Sean! Laster called after him, but Sean didn't stop. He went down the hallways and then down the front steps. He could see the back of Holly's braided hair in the back of the patrol car driving away, and he didn't notice the other patrol car coming down the driveway right at him. Sean spun around at the sound of screeching brakes and stared down at the hood of the police car that had stopped all of three inches from his feet. Buzz stared back at him from the driver's seat, looking just as startled, and then leaned out the window with a frown. "'You need to look both ways before crossing the street,' Buzz told him seriously, and Sean was guessing this was as stern as Buzz would ever manage to get. "'You're right. I'm sorry. You heading back to the station?' he asked. "'Do you think you could drop me off at the psych office?' "'Sure. Hop in,' Buzz said. He glanced at Sean as he got in the passenger seat. "'Are you okay?' "'Fine,' Sean said. He saw Laster rushing out of the mansion in the side mirror as they pulled out into the street, but Buzz didn't seem to notice. Buzz had apparently already gotten over their near miss and was smiling brightly as he talked about his wife. Sean tuned him out until he was just a bunch of friendly Buzz white noise and wished he had a Red Bull. "'But, well, you know how it is to be in a relationship. It's never all that easy, is it?' Buzz said. Sean finally tuned him back in and turned to him in surprise. "'Huh?' "'Well, you're dating Lassiter,' Buzz said. "'Don't get me wrong. Detective Laster is a great guy. I like him a lot, but he kind of scares me.' "'You know about me and Lassiter?' Sean asked. "'Doesn't everyone?' Buzz asked. "'I didn't realize it was a secret. You're just so obvious.' "'No, it's not really a secret,' Sean said. "'It's just no one else believes me.' "'You started seeing each other after the Da Ling case, right?' Buzz asked. "'I noticed right away. Laster smiles more.' At first I was kind of terrified, but then I realized it was because of you. Sean shifted and looked out the window. 
The first few days were always smiles. That's why Sean's relationships never lasted past them. It's not a secret, but could you not spread it around? Sean asked. Laster would probably appreciate it. What about you? Buzz asked. I'm not sure it's even going to matter much longer, Sean said as they pulled to a stop in front of the psych office. Thanks for the ride. Any time, Buzz said, but he was frowning again, and Sean's mood must be pretty terrible if he was even bringing Buzz down. Sean waved goodbye to Buzz and waited until he drove off to hop on his bike. He needed some time to think, to clear his head, to piece this case and his life together in some way that made sense again. So he started driving. It was anyone's guess where he was going to end up. Laster dialed Sean's number for the fifth time, but it went straight to voicemail again. Sean either didn't have his phone on, or he hadn't bothered to recharge it. He was pretty sure it was the latter. He felt a little dizzy, with the image of Sean driving off with McNabb stuck like a jam film reel behind his eyes. It all felt a little too much like watching Victoria drive away, sitting in the back of that limo her father had sent to pick her up, with her oversized black sunglasses and her stiff upper lip. Victoria hadn't looked back either. "'Carlton, what are you doing here?' Vic asked. Laster glanced up with a frown. He hadn't even seen her walk up to him. "'Chief,' he said. She crossed her arms, and she looked him over. "'You're supposed to still be on leave,' she said. "'I thought I was very clear.' Laster cleared his throat and reluctantly slipped his phone back into his pocket. He knew Sean wouldn't answer his call, even if he could. "'I'm not here as an officer,' But Eveline Graves hired Spencer, he said. I've been assisting him. Vic gave a laugh of disbelief. <laughs> You've been assisting him? She echoed. Geez, Lassiter, if you're so desperate you're even working in Mr. Spencer's employ, I guess we can make an exception and let you come back from leave a few days early. Laster had been meaning to go find Sean, for once grateful that he wasn't on the clock. But he could work this to his advantage. In that case, I'd like to be the one to question Holly Graves, he said. Vic frowned. She's been taken to the hospital for psychiatric evaluation, she said. Frankly, I think the court will find she isn't fit to stand trial, and this is most likely going to end up with a plea. I don't think we need to push for an interrogation right now. She needs help more than we need a quick confession. You're assuming she's guilty, Laster said. Vic raised an eyebrow. You think she isn't? Spencer thinks she isn't, Laster said. I think we should listen to him or at least follow this through. You think Spencer is right? Vic asked. Maybe it's you I should have sent for a psychological evaluation. It's not, Laster started, but Vic moved past him up the steps to the house. Go ahead and question her, but I want to report on my desk by 5 o'clock p.m. with everything you know, including any of Mr. Spencer's divinations, she called behind her. Laster considered going to find O'Hara for a moment, before getting into his car alone. He couldn't handle his partner today. She was getting to know him far too well. She'd see something was wrong, and O'Hara being O'Hara, she'd want to do something crazy, like talk about it. He pulled out his cell phone again before starting the car, but this time he wasn't calling Sean. McNabb, a cheery voice said. Laster squinted against an oncoming migraine and considered, not for the first time, that he was allergic to cheerful people. Except maybe Sean. Or maybe especially Sean. 
I need to talk to Spencer, he said. He's not here, Buzz said, his voice going to level an inflectionness. In a way, Laster tried to tell himself he didn't find disturbing. Where is he, then? Laster demanded. He asked me to drop him off. He seemed... upset, Buzz said. I'd never seen him like that. Where did you take him? Laster asked. Are you asking me officially? Buzz asked it, sounding uncomfortable. Because I know about the personal relationship you have with Sean, and I'm not sure if I should be saying anything. You know, Laster broke off, holding a hand to his forehead. I just need to find him, McNabb. You know what he's like when he's on a case. He's going to get himself into trouble. I only want to help. The psych office, Buzz said after a moment. But you didn't hear it from me. Thanks, Laster said, ending the call and starting the car. Laster drove by the psych office on his way to the hospital, but Sean's bike was gone and the sign on the door said closed. Laster wanted to turn around and try to track Spencer down, because something was niggling at the back of his neck that he was going to disappear, the same feeling he'd get with suspects sometimes, right before they took off running. A kind of look in the eye, something cornered. Laster knew he'd smothered Victoria. He'd always wanted to know where she was. It wasn't that he was controlling exactly. It was for his own peace of mind. Seeing the kinds of things he saw every day, it got pretty easy to imagine that person beneath the white sheet was someone he loved. He knew better than most that it could happen to anyone, but Victoria hadn't been able to put up with that for long, and Sean wouldn't put up with it at all, so he put the car in drive and started back to the hospital instead. He had to start trusting him. Sean was right about that. This seemed as good a place as any to start, because if there was one thing that could be counted on when it came to Spencer, it was that he wouldn't leave a case unsolved. And he trusted Sean enough to know that if he said this one wasn't over yet, it wasn't. The door swung open on only the second knock, and Sean stuck his hands deep in his pockets and stared at the ground instead of looking up. Hi, Dad, he said. Mind if I come in? It was Sean asking, and not just coming in that really tipped Henry off that something was wrong. Henry moved aside at once to let him in. What's wrong? he asked. Where have you been? I've been driving around for a while, Sean said as he walked past him. It should make you happy to know you were right. Right about what? Henry asked. You called it brilliantly, Sean said. First fight with Laster and I was running. Sean sat down at the table, crossing his arms on it and then burying his head in them. Henry ruffled his hair as he walked by him to the fridge. I'm proud of you, he said. You're proud of me? Sean demanded, voice muffled from his arms. For doing exactly what you said I would? You didn't, Henry said. I said you'd be heading out of town, but you haven't. You came here instead. Which just goes to show you how much my judgment has been impaired, Sean argued reluctantly, lifting his head. Henry dropped a tub of ice cream in front of Sean, and he eyed it dubiously. Leftovers from the Gus bribe? Sean asked petulantly. Be nice, or you won't get any sprinkles, Henry said, and sat across from him. Sean narrowed his eyes at his father, where he sat with his out-of-character, calm, neutral behavior. I thought you'd be happy this was falling apart, he said. Why aren't you gloating? Look, you may not exactly be a wilting flower the rest of the time, but when Laster's around, you kind of... You light up, Henry said, stumbling over his words in embarrassment. I haven't ever seen you like that with anyone else. 
Yeah, but I figured you were holding out hope I was going to toe the line. Get the picture-perfect life you wanted for me, Sean protested. I mean, except for the whole being a real cop thing, which we both know isn't all it's cracked up to be. I thought you thought I was going to grow out of this. Please, Sean. I've known this wasn't just some phase since you watched Top Gun and told me you planned to marry Val Kilmer, Henry said, but the exasperation in his voice was, if anything, fond. That's not the problem. I kind of figured out a while back that you were never going to end up with some picket fence, a wife and kids. Frankly, the thought of you having kids terrifies me, though you'd more than deserve everything they put you through. Sean rolled his eyes. Henry leaned forward, forcing Sean's eyes to focus back on him. What it comes down to is this, he said. You're my kid. As long as you're happy and safe, then I'll learn to live with anything else. Seriously? Sean asked. Because your track record does not reflect this. Maybe you're not the only one who's changed, Henry said. I've learned what's important to me, Sean. Maybe it's time you figure out what's important to you. How am I supposed to do that? Sean demanded. You could start by asking yourself why you're still here, Henry said. I couldn't leave, even if I wanted to. I've got a case to finish, he said and slouched in the chair. Like you've never left a job unfinished before, Henry asked. This is different, Sean said. Yeah, Henry said, and pushed the bottle of sprinkles across the table to Sean. Welcome to being a grown-up kid. You finally made it, whether you meant to or not. I certainly didn't mean to, Sean said miserably. Being a grown-up sucks. There are consolations, Henry said gently. Being a grown-up means you get to be in a grown-up relationship. What happened with Lassiter? I'm not talking about this with you, Sean said. That's not why I came here. Then why did you come here? Henry asked. I need help with the case, Sean said, getting to his feet to pace. I'm missing something. I know it. It's right there in front of me, but I... You should be talking to Lassiter, Henry said. You think I didn't try? Sean snapped. He doesn't believe me. I told him Holly wasn't responsible, and he... He doesn't care. I don't buy that, Henry said. What proof did you give him? What is with this obsession with proof? With evidence? Sean asked. I know she didn't do it. Sean, Henry said wearily. You have this fight with Lassiter all the time, and you know he needs proof before he can act on anything. You know that. Yeah, yeah, I know. But there's nothing written that you can't solve the case first and then find it. Sean protested. I do things a certain way. And so does Lassiter, Henry interrupted. He follows police procedure and the law, and you know it all by heart. Why is this any different? Sean turned on his heel, pacing away from Henry. It's not, he said reluctantly. Sean, Henry said, shaking his head. Laster's just doing his job. Yeah, I know. He needs the proof, the evidence, he said. But it isn't going to be found by going after the wrong person. And Laster doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe in me. And I told him, Dad. I told him everything, and he still doesn't. Did he say that? Henry asked. He didn't have to say it. It's what he didn't say. Sean broke off, his eyes going wide. That's it! She's been right there all along! It's just no one said a word about her! What are you talking about? Henry demanded. The maid! Sean shouted as he started for the door. That's what I've been missing, and it's been right there in front of me all this time. I must be completely off my game. I keep thinking about... Lassiter? Henry asked quietly. Among other things, Sean said, avoiding his father's eyes as he opened the door. Henry grabbed his arm to tug him back. 
Slow down a minute. This isn't about the case, and you know it. I told you. I came here because of the case, not Laster. And I've got it. You've been a great help as always. See you Wednesday. Sean said. Sean! Henry snapped. You look exhausted. Just stay for lunch, okay? We'll talk. You've been sleeping at all lately? No time to sleep, Sean said and slipped out of his grip. I've got to go solve this case. Sean! Henry called after him. Sean! I thought we agreed this wasn't about the case! When you're working a case, it's everything, Sean said, not stopping or even slowing down. You taught me that. Henry sighed and leaned against the door, watching Sean hop on his bike and drive off. It just figured that would be the one lesson he'd listen to. Laster had only been in a psych ward twice before. Back when he'd still been on the beat, he'd had to drag a guy here. He'd been half out of his mind, shouting about the creatures that lived under the ground. Laster had handcuffed him at the door, and they'd taken him inside, and that was that. The second time he'd been here, it was to interview the only witness to a brutal murder. That hadn't taken very long either, because she refused to speak. The last time Laster had checked on her progress, she still hadn't spoken a word. These places were always white and too clean. There was a subtle switch in atmosphere when he went from the main hospital into that locked ward. There were no longer abstract pictures on the wall. There were no splashes of color at all. Laster supposed the doctors knew what they were doing, but he figured anyone who didn't go in crazy would end up that way because all that white had to drive any sane person mad. I don't recommend this, the doctor told him, not for the first time since Lassiter had arrived. He was an older man, and with his shock of white hair and that long lab coat, he blended into the scenery like those camouflage bugs on the Nature Channel. She hasn't confessed to anything, Laster told him. If she's not responsible for what happened, we need to know, because that means there's someone still out there who is. I understand that, he said, pushing his glasses up on his nose. His name tag said Dr. Blakely, and Laster vaguely recognized him from some case or another. He'd been on the stand claiming a suspect was not fit to stand trial. Laster hadn't liked him then, either. The doctor pursed his lips when Laster made no further comment and unlocked the door with his keycard. Fifteen minutes, he said. Not a moment more. Laster moved past him into the room and tried not to wince as the door clicked locked behind him. He moved his eyes across the tile floor and then up until they came to rest on Holly. She, too, seemed to have adapted to her surroundings, and she looked washed out and faded. Her skin was pale, and her light blonde hair hung limply down to frame her face. She'd had her torn white dress traded in for clean white hospital scrubs. The only color left was the blue of her eyes. "'Hello,' she said. "'How are you today?' She was sitting cross-legged in the middle of the bed, and wrist restraints lay unlashed along the sides. Laster had never been comfortable in places like this. He liked suspects he could yell at, the ones he didn't doubt himself about. Someone had given Holly a notepad and a purple crayon. She'd drawn at least twenty perfect circles, side by side. "'You're supposed to answer,' Holly told him without looking up. "'You say, I'm fine today, and you?' Laster cleared his throat. "'I'm fine today,' he said softly. "'And you?' "'Very well, thank you,' she said. But it's cold here, and they took my clothes. Harvey always said I'd end up here without him. In the funny house, he said. It's not very funny, though, is it? 
No, it's not, Alastor said. Holly, I need to ask you a question. You've already asked me one, she said. That means you've only got nineteen left. I only have one more, Alastor said. Who is Andy? Holly's hand stilled, the crayon halfway to closing circle number twenty-one. That's a strange question to ask, she said. I thought you were here about Harvey. That's what everyone keeps asking me. They want me to know how I did it. How you did what? Laster asked. How I killed him, she said. Did you? he asked. Kill him? I saw him in the pool. He was floating on a raft. And I thought, that's strange, because he doesn't like to be still, you see. That's the thing you notice first about him. The way he won't sit still. And he always said, mind your manners. Keep your elbows off the table. But that's the second thing you notice about him. He never follows his own rules. Holly ran the crayons along the page in a meandering, twirling path that seemed to follow the flow of her words, and Laster fought the urge to take it from her and protest that she hadn't given an answer to his question at all. "'You saw him die?' he asked. "'No, I didn't see him die,' Holly said. "'I couldn't see him at all because Andy was holding him under the water. "'It's so hard to see through water at night. "'It's black. Have you ever noticed that? "'Water's always the same color as the sky.' "'Andy killed Harvey?' Laster asked intently, stepping forward. Holly closed her eyes and let the crayon slip from her hands. He just disappeared into the water, and Andy's hand ran along the surface of it like she was sealing him in, she said. It was odd how quiet it all was. I went to pull him out after she left. He was very heavy, though, and I got all wet. "'You don't sound too concerned,' Laster said slowly. Why didn't you tell anyone? I don't speak to strangers usually, if I can help it. And the doctors say I don't see things quite right, Holly said. Maybe they're right to say that, because I feel as sad for her as for him. Is she going to be in trouble? Yeah, Laster said gently, and kneeled by the bed. Can you tell me where she is? No, Holly said. You should ask the psychic. He was asking the right questions, too. Laster frowned. Sean? He said it was going to be okay, Holly said. Except it's not, is it? Someone has to answer for what happened, Laster said. Do you understand that? Of course I understand, Holly said. If my father taught me anything, it's that everyone has to answer for something. There's a right response to everything, and we should always be polite. Where's your mother, Holly? Laster asked again. All I know is that she isn't here, Holly said. That's all I can say for certain. I'm almost sure I'd know if she were. She picked up the crayon again and started to turn the circles into flowers. Holly, I need you to look at me, Laster said gently. You have to tell me about her so we can find her. She used to read for me from Lord Byron's Don Juan. Isn't that a strange thing to read to a child? But it's beautiful. I knew that even then, she said, focused on her drawing. Do you know stanza thirty and canto one? No doubt this patience when the world is damning us is philosophic in our former friends. Tis also pleasant to be deemed magnanimous, the more so in obtaining our own ends, and what the lawyers call a malice animus, conduct like this by no means comprehends. Revenge in person certainly no virtue, but then tis not my fault if others hurt you. That's some memory, Laster said. I've never read it myself. You should, Holly said. It has something for everyone. 
My mother's favorite line was this. I don't much like describing people mad, for fear of seeming rather touched myself. We need to find her, Laster said. She might hurt someone else. That's the problem with keeping madness to yourself, Holly said. It isn't like you don't still know it's there, and it always finds a way out somehow. You'd tell me, wouldn't you, if you knew where she was? Laster asked. I've already told you so much, she said. I've said more than I should. Holly. The door opened, and Dr. Blakely stepped in. That's enough for now, detective. Holly needs her rest. No rest for the weary, Holly said, though the wicked sleep just fine. Goodbye, Holly, Laster said, and started towards the door. Have a nice day now. Come again, Holly said, before finally looking up. And tell Sean I hope he starts dreaming again soon. I will, Laster said, and then shut the door. Sean got Gus's key out of the fake rock and slipped inside. He found Gus on the couch in his train pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee and watching cartoons. I can see you've been very productive today, Sean told him, dropping down beside him. While you've been sleeping in and watching cartoons, I've gone and solved our case. Where's Lassiter? Gus asked, glancing at him sideways. I thought we established that weekends are Lassiter days. I want to enjoy my coffee and finish this SpongeBob, Sean. Laster and I had a fight, Sean said, grabbing Gus's coffee and drinking what was left. I think we may have broken up. You what? Already? Gus demanded. Wait, why do you mean think? Don't you know? No one's ever broken up with me before, and I've never broken up with anyone, Sean explained, so I'm not really clear on the rules. That's not possible, Sean, Gus says. You've been with a lot of people. You can't still be dating all of them. No, of course not, but we always drift apart or I end up setting them up with someone who's really a lot better suited to their needs, Sean explained. I've never had a fight with someone I was sleeping with before. Are you serious? Gus asked. Yes, Sean said. Most people don't fight with me, Gus. Most people find me adorable and want to take care of me. I don't know what's wrong with you and Lassiter and my dad. You guys yell at me all the time. We yell because we care, Sean, Gus said. Sean rolled his eyes. Well, I don't see how that makes sense, he said. And definitely not in Laster's case. He yells at everyone. It's always a little louder when it's you, Gus said. Well, it doesn't matter right now, Sean said. What matters is that I totally solved this case, so we have to go catch a murderer and get Holly free. You're always wanting to go catch murderers, Gus said. I wish you'd get a different hobby. We're private investigators, we're not bounty hunters. I totally could be, though. I still have the vest and everything, Sean said. But don't worry. I think we can take this one. Our unsub is a woman between the ages of 50 and 55. She likes to bake cookies and drown people in pools. She has... Stop talking like you're on criminal minds, Sean, Gus snapped. Just tell me who it is. The maid, Sean shouted, flashing a grin. We were right. Harvey was totally sleeping with his maid. I knew he was the type. Sonny? Gus asked in disbelief. She's got no motive, and she seemed pretty sure about not sleeping with him. Anyway, there's no way she's over fifty. No, not Sonny, Sean said, closing his eyes. He took his mind back to the picture of Holly's dresser. The woman was wearing a dress. It was blue instead of gray, and she'd taken off the apron, but it was the same style as Sonny's. I've been so stupid. 
I've been so sure it was someone living in the house, but what if it was someone that used to live there? What are you talking about? Gus asked. Eveline told us that Sonny's only been the maid there two weeks, Sean said, and I never even thought to ask who had worked there before her. And so that makes their former maid a murderer? Gus asked. I'm not sure I'm following the logic. You'll get there, Sean said, but first you need to change out of your ridiculous pajamas and put on some grown-up clothes. We need to talk to Eveline. We need to find out who the maid was before Sonny and why she was fired. You sound like you already know, Gus said. I've got a pretty good guess, Sean said. I bet when we ask who the maid was, Eveline's going to say her name was Andy. The one in Holly's note? Gus asked. Oh, that's right, Sean said, as Gus stood to change. I forgot to tell you, Andy's Holly's mother. That's where the whole sleeping with the maid thing comes in, and it's why Holly went back to the mansion to find her, not to find Harvey. Sometimes when I get things so right without even meaning to, I kind of scare myself. Well, if it's any comfort, you scare me most of the time, whether you're right or not, Gus said before heading down the hall. Sean slouched down and tilted his head to watch the show. The pineapple under the sea briefly brought back his dream of opening a pineapple-shaped smoothie hut, but Gus was like one of those stage actors who could exit backstage and come right back out wearing something else. He only had a moment to muse before Gus was standing in front of him in a neatly pressed suit, impatiently tapping one of his hundred-dollar shoes, sixty if you subtracted for the gift certificate. "'Sean, I thought this was urgent,' Gus demanded. Sean turned off the television and jumped to follow him. "'It is!' How did you manage to come out so wrinkle-free that quickly? Sean demanded. I iron all my suits before I hang them up, Gus asked. It's just good sense. I think you need to rethink your idea of good, Sean said, and maybe sense. You're going about it all wrong. Gus rolled his eyes as he unlocked the echo. Whatever, Sean, I know I look good, he said. You look like a college dropout. I can live with that, Sean said, looking down at himself. At least that means I look like I had some college. Which, of course, you haven't, Gus said. Sean joined him in the car. That's a lie, he said. I've taken a number of classes at the SBCC. Theater, remember? I was Othello. The Santa Barbara City College? And you were not Othello. You were Iago. And you were a terrible Iago, Gus said. That show sold out, Gus, and everyone loved me, Sean protested. I got more laughs than anyone. Othello is a tragedy, Sean. Gus protested. They're not supposed to laugh. That's besides the point, Sean said. Anyway, I also took underwater basket weaving and economics. I'm sure I was only a few credits away from some kind of degree. You took economics? Gus said in disbelief. Home economics, Sean said. I wanted to make a good wife some day, but they expected me to cook something, so I had to drop it after the second class. You made it to the second class? Gus asked. I'm impressed. There's a lot you don't know about me, Sean said. I have hidden depths. Clearly, Gus said. I'm sure you explored them in your underwater basket weaving class. I'm sensing sarcasm in your tone, but I'll forgive you because of the awesome pun, Sean told him. Gus just shot him an irritated sideways glance and gave the echo more power, going nearly 60 miles per hour. Sean started chewing on one of his nails as they made it to Padero Lane. Stop it, Sean, Gus said. You know, Anitrophagia freaks me out. Do you even realize how much bacteria you are ingesting by putting your fingers in your mouth? No, because I'm a normal person, Sean said, as evidenced by the fact that I call people nail-biters, not Anifagiacs. Gus reached over to pull Sean's hand down. What are you so nervous about anyway? Gus demanded as they pulled to a stop in front of the gate. The gate pulled open on its own again, 
and Gus Gunty echo inside. The police probably told Eveline they caught the killer, Sean explained. She's going to be off her guard, especially considering the murderer is most likely someone she knows. We've got to warn her, and we've got to find out where Andy is. You think she's going to try and go after Eveline again? Gus asked. I think she was unstable before, and Holly's just been taken from her again, Sean said. She's going to need someone to blame. The echo pulled to a stop in front of the mansion. That's a good point, Gus said. But Sean, what if she's already here? Then we better hurry, Sean said, jumping out of the car. That's not what I meant, Gus snapped, but followed him. What are we supposed to do if we find her? Congratulate ourselves on a job well done, Sean said, as he took the steps two at a time and reached out to ring the bell. The door swung open before he could reach it, and Aldous stared down at them with narrowed eyes. Alfred, nice to see you again. We need to see Vicky Vale. Aldous moved aside, and Sean went inside. Gus stepped in behind him, watching Aldous warily. Wait here, Aldous said, and the door swung closed behind them. He disappeared down the hallway, and Eveline came back out of it a few moments later. Sean, Gus, she said, rushing up to them. She didn't look any more together than she had on their first meeting. She was wearing an expensive maroon blouse, but an old oversized gray sweater was pulled over it, and Sean guessed it had been Harvey's. She didn't seem comfortable with expensive things, which was certainly a rare quality in a trophy wife. I can't believe this. First I found out I have a stepdaughter, and then she... Well, I just... I can't. You don't believe it because it's not true, Sean said, closing his eyes. One hand held up to his temple. Holly didn't do it. I'm quite sure of that. There's someone else. Someone that's been out of the picture for a while. Sean opened his eyes again and aimed them at Eveline. Who was the maid before you hired Sonny? Eveline frowned. Andy Delahoy? she asked. Surely you don't believe she has anything to do with this. Why was she fired? Gus asked. Eveline bit her lip and pulled the sweater closer around her. Harvey fired her, she said. She'd worked for him almost her whole life, too. Practically grew up with Harvey, you know. Her mother was the maid for his parents. It was very sudden. He said she was stealing, but he never said what she'd taken. Do you have any idea where she'd be? Sean asked. Eveline nodded. Yes, I think so. I set her up in a little apartment, just until she could get on her feet. I never told Harvey, of course. We're gonna need that address, Gus said. Eveline walked to the entry table and slid a notepad towards her. She wrote down the address and handed it to Sean. I don't know why I never thought of Andy before, she said, because I liked her so well, I suppose. But after the way Harvey dismissed her, I can see why she'd be angry. I always tried to help her, though. I... Eveline broke off, shaking her head. Do you know why? She's Holly's mother, Sean said. But if it's any consolation, I'm pretty sure that Harvey stopped his relationship with her when he married you. Eveline let out a disbelieving laugh. <laughs> Small consolation, she said, since that's probably what started all of this. She brought a hand to her head. I'm sorry, I think I need a moment to collect myself. Did you need anything else? No, you've been a great help, thanks, Sean said. Please stay as long as you need, and call Aldis or Sonny if you need anything she said, before heading up the stairs towards her bedroom. Sean glanced around, but Aldous seemed to have disappeared as well. Do you see Lurch anywhere? he asked Gus. No, he went down the hall, Gus said. I think he was giving me the evil eye. Could we focus on the case, please? Sean demanded. 
Did you hear what Eveline said? That's why Andy couldn't do it. Couldn't do what? Gus asked. Couldn't kill her, Sean said. That's why she couldn't kill Eveline. Eveline was nice to her, but she was in the way. It explains both the motive to want her dead and the hesitation in carrying it out. You really think she's the murderer? Gus asked. He made her live in this house with their kid, still working as his maid. And with Harvey and Eveline out of the way, Holly would get everything. This house, all the money. She would have known about Eveline's pills. It wouldn't have been hard to grab a couple. And she knows this place. She's lived here nearly her whole life. The code to the security system is her daughter's birthday, so she can come and go as she pleases. Sean said, taking everything off his fingers. That's motive means an opportunity, Gus. We should call Lassiter. Gus said. Yeah, we should, Sean said. Sean, Gus started. He still doesn't trust me, Sean snapped. Say I do call him. What then? You think he'd actually come? Yeah, Sean, I think he would, Gus said. Sean bit his lip and looked down at his cell phone. Everything inside of him was itching to run and confront Andy, catch her off her guard, and get a confession. He was good at it. But trust went both ways and Laster had his reasons for thinking Sean wasn't telling him everything. He knew they had to start somewhere. Sean sighed and hit the speed dial. Hey, Lassie? Sean said when the call picked up. I solved the case. Sean didn't hear Laster's response, because it was swallowed in the sound of the safety unlatching on a gun. You're gonna want to hang up now, a woman told him, her voice too clear and cold to be Eveline's. Sean ended the call and glanced to the right. He could see the woman from Holly's picture, standing just behind the barrel of the gun. "'You must be Andy,' he said. Andy did not look much like her picture anymore. Her hair was blonder and tied back tightly, and she was wearing an expensive button-up white blouse with a blue blazer and matching pants. She looked more like a businesswoman on a lunch break than a crazy woman on a killing spree. "'And you must be Sean,' she said. And Sean turned so he was facing her while behind him, Gus took three steps further back. Sean had expected her to be out of control, but her blue eyes were clear and steady. If anything, she seemed a little too certain of what she was doing. But then, Sean knew, that was its own kind of madness. Sane people knew better than to be certain of anything. The police are on their way, Sean told her. You've been very careful so far, sure to make it look like accidents. This isn't your style. You've already blown my cover. Andy said. You proved Harvey was murdered. I'm still not quite sure how you knew that, but starting there my plans kept unraveling bit by bit. And now, well, now I haven't got anything left to lose. You've got Holly, Sean said. Andy glared at him. Everything I've done I've done for Holly, she said. Don't you dare preach about her to me. You never visited her in all those years she was banished to that place, did you? Sean asked. Not even once. Even Harvey made time for her once a year. Sean, Gus warned in a hiss. Stop antagonizing the crazy person with a gun. I'm not crazy, Andy screamed. It clicked then in Sean's mind. Of course she wouldn't visit Holly there. What was it Laster had told him? They may not let you out. I'm sorry, Sean said. I'm sorry, you're right. I've misjudged you. He held up his hands. It wasn't that you didn't want to see her. That bastard took her away from me. Andy said. He took her the one place I couldn't, that I couldn't. She looked near tears, but her hands were still steady. The gun didn't waver even an inch. Andy, Sean started. All those years I let him get away with it. 
I brought him his meals, and I cleaned up after him and his little wife. And all the time, I was dreaming up ways I could kill him. But I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't, Andy said, meeting Sean's eyes and raising the gun to meet them, too. But I'm stronger now than I was before, and we both know you've brought this on yourself. You took Holly away this time, and I'm not waiting another fifteen years to get her the vengeance she deserves. No, Sean said. I didn't take her away this time. You did. They took her because of what you did. Sean? Gus warned again. Sean ignored him and stepped closer to Andy. But Holly's not the one that really needs help. You are. You need to give yourself up. Killing me, that doesn't prove anything. It'll only get you locked up right there with her. Maybe it's time I was with her, Andy said. Not like that, Sean said. You had every reason to hate Harvey. People will understand that. But Eveline? She didn't even know about any of this. That's why you couldn't do it, isn't it? It's why you couldn't kill her. It's why you won't kill me. This should be all Holly's, Andy said. It should be hers. Holly doesn't care about any of this, Sean said. All she ever wanted was you. I couldn't go there, Andy said. I couldn't. I'm not crazy. I'm not. Of course not, Sean said, and held out his hand. So prove it. Give me the gun. We'll tell everyone the truth. The truth about Harvey and you and Holly. She shouldn't be a secret anymore. You think it's that easy? Andy asked. I can't ever get back what I lost. Have you been in Holly's room? Sean asked. There's only one picture there, and it's of you. You haven't lost everything yet. You still have her. You can still try to make up for the time you lost. You don't know. You don't know what I've been through, Andy said. You come here with your visions, telling everyone everything I've tried so hard to hide, but you don't know anything. I know you love your daughter, Sean said. I know that Aldous was the only person who ever tried to help you. He helped you set up that room, but it wasn't really for Holly, it was for you. You probably spent almost every night there, am I right? This isn't a game, Andy cried. You don't get points for right answers. No, it's not a game, Sean agreed. I'm sorry for what happened to you, but this, this isn't going to fix anything. And I know you don't think you can, but you can still fix it. They're going to lock me away, Andy said. You think I'm stupid? My life is over. Holly's isn't, Sean said. You said you've done all this for her, but you haven't. You haven't been thinking of her, because if you had, you would know she wouldn't want this. You need to think of Holly now, because she needs you. She doesn't know what she wants. Andy said. She came home. A few weeks ago. I found her just sitting on her bed. At first I didn't think she was real, and when Harvey found out he wanted to send her away again, and that's when I knew what I had to do. I did it for her. To keep her safe. No one is going to make Holly stay at the hospital if she doesn't want to. I talked to a nurse at Acres and Groves. I'm sure she'll testify that Holly could have been released, Sean said. But they're never going to let her out there, as long as they think she's the one that killed Harvey. You really want to protect your daughter? You're going to have to confess. Andy closed her eyes for a moment and bit her lip, before she clicked the safety on the gun and flipped it so the handle was facing Sean. You have to promise me that Holly isn't going to stay in that place because of what I've done. I will do everything I can to make sure she doesn't have to, Sean said. That much I promise. Andy held the gun out slowly, and Sean took it from her. He heard Gus run out of the room behind him, probably to go throw up in the bathroom. I loved him, you know, Andy said. 
Isn't that the funniest thing? Even when I killed him, I still did. Maybe I am crazy. Sean looked down at the gun in his hands, unsure what to do with it now that he had it. It wasn't that he didn't know how to use it. Guns probably wouldn't scare him half so much if he didn't know just what he was capable of when holding one in his hands. He popped out the clip and cleared the chamber. What's that phrase about being crazy and in love? Sean asked, glancing up. Love that is not madness is not love, Andy said. That's Beyonce Knowles? Sean asked. Andy frowned. Pedro Calderon de la Barca, she said. Sean shook his head. No, I was thinking of Beyonce Knowles. So crazy right now, your love's got me. Crazy in love, that's what I'm thinking of. We should all take comfort in her words. Andy was looking at him like she thought maybe he was the one in need of a padded cell, so Sean was glad that Laster chose that moment to storm the room. Sean had to admire Lassiter's entrance. He was still wearing his shades and held his gun with both hands, pointing it towards the ground, but ready to raise it in a second, all coiled up with determination and anger, and something else. Andy Delahoy, he barked. You're under arrest for the murder of Harvey Graves and the attempted murder of Eveline Graves. Sean, step away from her. Sean stepped back, bumping into Gus. Why didn't you ask me to step back? Gus demanded, moving away nonetheless, dragging Sean with him. You're smart enough to do it without my asking, Laster snapped as he pulled Andy's hands behind her back to cuff them. Gus was appeased by this response. That's true, he admitted, before glancing nervously at the gun in Sean's hands. How did you get back here? Sean demanded. I went to let Laster in, Gus said indignantly. I saw him on the monitor. What, you thought I just ran out on you? You're right, what was I thinking? Sean asked. That would have been entirely unprecedented. Juliet and Buzz came running in. Lassiter, Juliet said breathlessly. What's going on? We found Harvey's murderer, Laster explained, handing Andy off to Buzz. Get her to the station and book her. Laster stepped toward Sean, and Sean took a step back. Uh, Lassie, look. Laster ignored him, grabbing Sean in a fierce hug, burying his head in Sean's neck. You're going to be the death of me, he said. Sean carefully reached around, not sure what to do with his hands at first, before grabbing handfuls of Laster's shirt and using them to hang on. How did you know I would be here? he asked. I didn't leave a note for you this time. This time you didn't have to, Laster said. I came looking on my own. Maybe psychic powers are catching, Sean said weakly. Or maybe I followed your instinct and spoke to Holly, Laster said. She saw everything. It was just like you said. I figured Andy had to have lived here with Holly. She used to read to her at night, so I had O'Hara run the name for me against Harvey Graves' employee records, and she found an Andy Delahoy, fired just two weeks ago. I came here to ask Eveline about her. When you called, I was already on my way. Laster pulled back and frowned at Sean. But you already knew all of that, didn't you? I did, Sean said. But we both figured it out in the end, right? Maybe the method doesn't matter. Laster frowned. The method always matters. Oh my god! Juliet screeched from behind them. You really are together. That's just the most adorable thing ever. Sean stepped to the side as Juliet tried to collect while Laster was still handing out the free hugs and glanced over at Andy. She spoke to him without quite looking up. You get it, right? She asked quietly. Why I did what I did? You're asking the wrong person, Sean said. 
You need to talk to Holly. Come on, Buzz said gently, and led her from the room. Behind them, Laster was wiggling out of Juliet's grip, and with a sharp beat of his heart, Sean realized he was still holding the gun and quickly set it down. Laster appeared behind him and reached across to pick the gun back up. I got permission from Vic to come back early. I'm officially off medical leave. That's good, Sean said. Means I have to go back to the station, fill out my report, Laster explained. Sean heard Eveline behind him, demanding to know what was going on. He figured the house was so big she hadn't even noticed the disturbance until now. Aldous was speaking lowly from somewhere, too, and Sean always hated cases like this, where it couldn't just be over, the ones where you could see the damage spreading further than a chalk outline. What about Holly? Sean asked. O'Hara's going to cut her loose, Laster said. Sean nodded. I'll go with her, he said. Laster grabbed his arm when he turned to leave. We need to talk, Sean, he said. I think that's a first, Sean said. You wanting me to talk? Well, there's a first time for everything, Laster said, and reluctantly released his grip. If anything, we're proof of that. Gus had declined to come with him to the psychiatric ward, despite Sean's appealing arguments of lots of crazy people in need of pharmaceuticals. And while Sean wasn't strictly supposed to be here himself, he still managed to make his way alone to Holly's room, while Juliet argued with her doctor about whether or not she should be allowed to leave. Sean had no doubts that Juliet would win the argument. It didn't hurt that Holly had a home to go to. Eveline wanted her to come back, and promised that she and Aldous would take the care of her she deserved. They were even going to give her a whole room, one she could have all to herself. Sean, Holly greeted when he entered, giving a slight smile. It's nice to see you. Have you been dreaming yet? Not yet, Sean said, but probably just because I haven't slept. That's no excuse not to dream, she said. Sean sat down beside her on the bed. She was sketching out a half-formed face with her red crayon. It could almost be a self-portrait, except for the lines around the eyes and forehead, marks of age and worry that were worn by Andy instead. Hey, you want to get out of here? he asked. Holly paused, glancing up at him. That really depends, she said. On what? Sean asked. On where we would go, she said. How about home? Sean asked. Eveline wants you to come stay with her in all this. Eveline is nice, Holly said. I didn't like her at first, because she was the reason I had to leave. But she was kind, and she has pretty things. I don't think she's going to like me, though. No one would, Harvey always said. People don't like crazy people. We make them uncomfortable. Maybe we're all a little crazy, Sean said. Maybe you're just more honest about it. You're honest, Holly told him. I spend most of my time lying, actually, he said. You tell the truth about the things that matter, Holly said. You just need to tell the truth to yourself. I'm not sure what you mean, he said. There has to be a reason you're afraid to sleep, Holly said. I had nightmares because I was afraid of ending up here. It's strange, but since I got here, I haven't been afraid of it anymore, and now I'm dreaming all the time. What do you dream about? Sean asked. Flying, Holly said, 
In my dreams I always have wings. We should have a Red Bull together sometime. My treat, Sean said. Holly didn't catch the reference, and she looked over at Sean with solemn eyes. Do you really think it's going to be okay? She asked. Life's a work in progress, Sean said. I think you'll get there. They're going to lock her up, aren't they? She asked. For what she did. Yes, Sean said. She turned herself in, but you need to know that she loves you very much. Love is kind of terrifying, Holly said. Have you ever noticed that? It does seem to be a reoccurring theme, Sean said. Juliet came through the door, throwing an exasperated glance at Sean, before turning to smile at Holly. You ready to go home? he asked. Holly carefully packed away her crayons. I'm ready to leave, she said, but Sean knew that didn't mean quite the same thing. It was nearing ten when Sean ended up at Lassiter's door. Sean had gone with Juliet to take Holly home, but he could admit, if only to himself, that he really hadn't needed to stay as long as he had. Eveline took to Holly instantly, and she'd given her the largest room in the house. Aldous was so pleased he hadn't even glared at Sean all that much when he called him Alfred, and Sean was guessing optimistically that the strange way his lips had curled was evidence that he could smile after all. That unlikely group of people seemed to fit together rather well, and Sean had high hopes for their futures. Even Sonny had stopped making pudding long enough to put a real dinner together, and she no longer seemed so ready to leave. Things were looking less pleasant for Andy, but it was, of course, a requirement for a happy ending that the villain meet a sad end, however reluctantly they were cast. Sean supposed he should be grateful for all the victories he could get, if he started having sympathy for the killers, too, then he wasn't ever going to be satisfied with the end of the case. Sean unlocked the door and disabled the security alarm before heading to the kitchen. He was pulling the tab on a Pepsi when Laster walked into the room and leaned against the doorway to watch him. He didn't look surprised to see him there, because Sean knew if he hadn't already known it was him, he would have barged into the room with his gun already drawn. "'How did you get in?' Laster asked. "'Please,' Sean said, gulping down some of the Pepsi. "'I've had copies of your keys for years.' "'And the security system?' Laster asked. "'It's the first four digits of the serial number on your gun,' Sean said. "'You could have at least used the last four digits. "'That probably would have taken me two tries.' Laster sighed, not bothering to throw something back at him. "'Sean didn't think that was a good sign.' When you ran out earlier, I had this feeling I wouldn't ever see you again, he said. This place is my home, Sean said, setting down the soda and pushing away from the counter. Not this home specifically, because your take on interior design leaves something to be desired. And if I lived here, there would be lots of cool things like beanbag chairs and lava lamps. But what I mean is Santa Barbara. It's my home. I've been running away from it for years, but I always end up right back here. Because this is where my father is. It's where Gus is. It's where you are. Laster stepped forward and leaned down to kiss him. You scare the hell out of me, Spencer, he whispered. I have it on good authority that love is a terrifying thing, Sean said. Maybe we're supposed to be scared. It means it's real. I'm sorry about before, 
Laster said. It's just, you do, Sean. You scare the hell out of me. I think it goes without saying that I also find you utterly terrifying, Sean said, kissing Laster again. And you don't have anything to apologize for. Maybe we just don't work well together. Maybe we work better against each other than together, with you as the police detective, me as the dashing psychic. You're not psychic, Laster said. But I am dashing, Sean said. But we've been doing works. Maybe we just need to keep work separate from this. I'm not sure I can, Laster said. You've been doing it all along, Sean said. I was the one causing problems. I shouldn't expect you to trust my every gut instinct. It isn't fair. I do trust you, Sean, but I still need to do things my way, Laster said. We can't list gut instinct on an arrest warrant. How about psychic vision? Sean asked Riley. You're not psychic, Laster said again. I should never have confessed, Sean said. Now I don't get to protest anymore that I totally am psychic and it's just no fun. Laster grinned. It's only fair that I get to win just this one argument, he said. Okay, Sean said, but only because you wear smug so well. Laster placed his hands at Sean's neck, kissing him again as he gave him a little tug down the hall. He pulled to a sudden stop and Sean lost his balance, crashing into him with a frown. Spencer? Laster said slowly. Yes, lassie? Sean asked, putting one hand on the wall to catch his balance. Why is there a picture of Guster on my wall? He demanded. Sean laughed and tugged Laster towards the bedroom by the hand. Took you long enough to notice that, he said. Good thing it isn't real, or you'd be out eight million dollars. You're taking it down, Laster told him firmly. I'll take it down when you take down yours, Sean said and kissed Laster gently. Deal, Laster said reluctantly, but so help me if you bring a lava lamp into this house, Spencer. Sean pushed Laster down on the bed and grinned. A compromise then, he said. I'll settle for a beanbag chair. Then he leaned down, kissing the side of Laster's neck. Okay, but only one, Laster told him. He decided this really was the worst possible way to go about an argument, because he probably would have agreed to a lot more than that if Sean had asked for it. Laster rolled over and was pleasantly surprised when his arm didn't find empty air. Despite Sean's assurances that he was not a morning person, he almost always woke before Lassiter. Laster snuggled closer to the warm body, frowning when he slipped his hand beneath the sheet and found fur instead of Sean's smooth skin. His eyes shot open and he slipped back along the bed. His stuffed panda stared happily back at him with its beady black eyes and his pink tongue sticking out from the side of his mouth. I'm going to kill him, Laster hissed, pushing up from the bed to stomp down the hall. Laster pulled open the door to the basement. Sean was sitting in the middle of the floor, like a kid in a candy store, and Sean would know how to look like one, having worked at a candy store for a week. He was wearing jeans and Laster's old green Kiss Me, I'm Irish shirt, which he must have found somewhere down here. Laster went down the stairs and glared down at him. Sean glanced up and grinned, obviously not picking up on Laster's homicidal mood. How anyone believed the guy was psychic was beyond him. Sean held up a pair of maroon and blue pants, his grin so wide it almost split his face. You have MC Hammer pants, Sean told him. I think I could die happy right now. 
That can be arranged, Laster snapped, grabbing them back. I thought we had a deal. We did, Sean said. As you can see, I haven't organized anything. In fact, I think it looks even worse now than it did before. That wasn't the deal. The deal was you weren't to come down here, ever, Laster said. But it's awesome down here, Sean said. How come you never told me you were in Glee Club? How do you know about that? Laster demanded. I read your yearbook, Sean said. I never would have thought you were so active in school. And who knew they had a most likely to be a police officer category? They must have made it special for you. Out, Laster said, pointing up the stairs. Sean ignored him easily. If you didn't want me to come down here, you would have locked the door. I did lock the door, Laster snapped. Huh, Sean said. I must have picked the lock then, but my defense stands. You know I can pick locks. If you really didn't want me down here, you should have equipped it with a retinal scanner. I probably wouldn't have gotten past that. Sean, Laster said resignedly, dropping to sit by him. I have a right to know these things about you if we're going to be a real couple, Sean said. Like the fact that you liked MC Hammer. We might need couples therapy to get past that one. That's almost as bad as Gus's brief but terrifying obsession with the Spice Girls. It's not like my past fashion mistakes have any bearing on my life now, Laster said. Why are you so interested in this old stuff anyway? Because it's yours. Anyway, it's only fair, Sean said. You know all of my secrets. I do? Laster asked. Well, yeah, Sean said. There's really only the one. Mostly I'm an open book. I don't believe that for a second, Laster said. Okay, so maybe I was the one that was obsessed with the Spice Girls, Sean said. But at least I never wore a miniskirt. We're all thankful for that. Laster said. He frowned as he noticed the dark circles under Sean's eyes. He wasn't sure when the last time he'd actually slept was, but it definitely looked to be catching up to him. You're still not sleeping. I slept, Sean said evasively, but I couldn't stand it knowing all this was down here. It's like Christmas morning, you know? Your house would be a lot more fun if this stuff was upstairs. It's down here for a reason, Laster said, though he was not entirely sure what it was. Victoria had always kept their house like a model home. He was used to storing anything that didn't look like it belonged in a magazine out of sight. I don't ever use any of it. Things don't always have to be useful, Sean told him, spinning a trophy from some little league game or another in his hands. And you never told me. What's the story with Eugene? Eugene? Laster asked. I named your panda Eugene, Sean said. I was sure that you'd neglected to name him yourself. There's no story. Laster told him. I already said. I won it at a carnival. That raises so many questions. Firstly, you go to carnivals? Sean asked. Why don't you ever take me out to carnivals? We never go anywhere fun. We always just go and look at dead bodies. Carnival. Just the one. Laster said. I wanted to play the game. I won. I got the panda and had no one to give it to. End of story. Sean frowned. If that's the end of the story, then why do you still have it? Laster glared at him. Why do you have to know everything? Just wired that way, I guess, Sean said, naturally curious. How about this? I'll tell you something you don't know about me if you tell me something I don't know about you. I thought you were an open book, Laster said. Sean grinned. I am, but it's a very big book. Why did you leave? Laster asked, the first time. That you should already know, Sean said. You've met my father, right? Anyway, you're not doing it right. I said I'd tell you something you don't know. 
I didn't say you'd get to choose what it was. Okay, then, Laster said. Tell me something, and it better not be Spice Girls related. I already know more than I wanted to about that. Okay, Sean said. For a while, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a cop. Wanted to be just like dear old dad. What changed? Laster asked. I wanted to be a million other things, too, Sean said, looking away. It's your turn. There were actually a few times, very few and very brief, where I thought you might actually be psychic, Laster said and winced. It was the dinosaur, wasn't it? Sean asked. Yeah, it was the dinosaur, Laster said. It's nothing to be ashamed of, Sean said, pushing Laster down as he moved to straddle him. I can be very convincing. Hey, Sean, Laster said as he leaned up to kiss him. Yeah, Sean asked. You can have the panda if you want, he said. Sean grinned and laid his head on Laster's chest. I thought you'd never ask. Laster moved his arm around him, allowing himself a rare, genuine smile. Sean, he said quietly, but there was no response. Sean was sound asleep. He leaned over to place a kiss on top of Sean's head. It's all yours, Lassiter whispered. Sean woke up, wrapped in a beat-up Lone Ranger quilt, still in the basement. He frowned as he sat up, noticing that his lassie pillow was gone. There was a note beside him. Got called in to tie up some loose ends and didn't want to wake you. XOXO, Lassiter. Sean laughed at the XOXO and decided to hold on to the note for blackmail purposes. He kept the quilt wrapped around him and went upstairs. Lassiter had taken the wanted posters down. They were sitting in a stack on the kitchen counter, with Burton, Buster, Guster on top. Sean frowned when he saw what was sitting on the counter beside them, and let the quilt drop to the floor as he reached out to grab it. It was Holly's diary, still unlatched. Laster must have found it in the car and left it here. Sean reached for Laster's phone and dialed Gus. "'Gus!' he said cheerfully. "'Guess what? It's Monday. That's a Gus day, and I need a ride.' I have to be at work in like an hour, Sean, Gus said. Take your motorcycle. Look out your front window, Sean said. You gave me a ride yesterday, remember? My motorcycle's still there. At least drop me off at your place. Right now I'm stranded at Lassiter's. You could take the bus, Gus said. And pay my fare in Skittles, Sean asked. I'll be there in ten minutes, Gus said, long-suffering, before ending the call. Sean pulled on his kangaroos and then one of Lassiter's suit jackets, because the weather was still strangely winter-like for Santa Barbara at this time of year, though the freak storm had passed them by. He grabbed Holly's diary and ran out to meet Gus. Gus eyed him speculatively as he got in the car, taking note of the too-large blazer and the kiss-me-I'm-Irish shirt. I'm guessing things between you and Lassiter are back on track? He asked as he pulled out into the street. Not really. I was just robbing the place, Sean told him. Gus snorted. What's so important that I had to rush over here? Don't tell me I interrupted you during your Spongebob time again, Sean said before slumping in the seat. You can just drop me off with my bike. Gus glanced at him and then shook his head. I still have some time. Where are we going? Eveline's, Sean said. I've got something I need to give back to Holly. Gus saw the diary and nodded. I'm glad she didn't have to stay at that hospital, he said. 
Sean nodded and tried not to think about how Andy did. Yeah, I think she'll be all right now, he said. And hey, no ghosts. There could have been ghosts, Sean, Gus said. You don't know. They're everywhere. They could be in this car with us right now, Sean said wryly, and laughed when Gus tightened his grip on the steering wheel. You laugh, but one of these times you're not going to have an explanation for something we see, Gus said. Well, when that happens, I'll start buying salt in bulk. But right now, let's just take a moment to reflect about how very right I was once again, Sean said. You were wrong about the butler, Gus said smugly. It was the maid. She's like a girl butler, Sean said. They're completely different job titles, Sean, Gus said. Really? What do you call a guy maid, then? Or a girl butler, for that matter? He asked. Man maid? Guttler? It's still just maid and butler, or domestic aid, if you prefer, Gus said. Which means you were wrong. Well, I may have been wrong, but at least my suspect was a living person, Sean said. You were wrong, and your suspect was dead, so I think I still win. Gus pulled to a stop in front of the gate, and it opened for them once again without prompting. He frowned. They aren't expecting us this time, he said. Say what you want. I still think there's something wrong with this place. Gus pulled to a stop, looking nervously out the window. The clouds were dark gray, and Gus could have sworn they hadn't looked that way when they were still a couple of blocks away. I'll just wait here, he said. Sean rolled his eyes and got out of the car. He was starting up the steps when he heard someone call his name. He frowned and started back down them, heading towards the side of the house. Sean! Sean looked up to see Holly sitting up on the limb of a large tree. She waved him down. She was wearing a bright new blue dress and black Mary Jane shoes. Sean thought she looked a little like Alice, returning from Wonderland. What are you doing up there? he asked. Holly carefully made her way down, using the tree limbs as deftly as if it were a ladder. I used to go up here all the time, she explained. I remember it being a lot higher than it is, but I suppose I was smaller then. How are you doing? Sean asked. Do you like it here? Very much, Holly said. It's the same place it always was, only it feels like it's not. I think I like it better this way. I brought this back, Sean said, and held the diary out. Holly quickly took it from his hands, opening it to assure herself all of the words were still there. Thank you, she said. You're really very kind. It's yours, Sean said. You were right. It wasn't nice of me to take it in the first place. I know you were just trying to find out the truth, Holly said. And did you? Andy confessed, Sean said. Everyone knows the truth now. Even her, I suppose, Holly said. I'm not so sure she did before. Have you seen her? He asked. Yes, Holly said. She's at the hospital in one of those white rooms. She seems calmer. Maybe it was the same for her as it was for me. Maybe she realized it wasn't so scary after all. Holly snapped the lock on her diary closed. Or maybe it's the drugs. Are you going to be okay? Sean asked her. Shouldn't you be telling me? She asked. Everyone seems to have their opinions. I really only care to hear yours, Sean said. Holly smiled. I guess I don't know, she said, but I'm better. How are you? I'm better too, Sean said. Holly nodded. Does that mean you're dreaming again? I'm sleeping again, but I don't think I ever really stopped dreaming, he said. That's a good answer, Holly said and smiled. I should be going back inside. It looks like rain. You have a pleasant day, Sean. Come again soon.
Holly, would you do something for me? Sean asked. What is it you would like me to do? She asked, holding her diary to her chest like she was afraid he was going to ask for it back. Sean smiled as he stepped away. Don't be so polite, he told her, before spinning on his heel to head back. Slightly later in 2009, i.e. the next Wednesday, Gus narrowed his eyes when he opened the door and found Sean standing on his doorstep, hands clasped behind his back, and trying to look innocent. It was never a good sign when Sean didn't call first. It usually meant he wasn't going to take no as an answer for whatever insane idea he had come up with this time. Sean, Gus said warily. Good, you're dressed, Sean said. I was afraid I would find you in your pajamas again. And it's not that you don't look adorable in them, but we're kind of on a tight schedule. We have to be at my dad's in, like, ten minutes for dinner. I have to day off from you, Sean. It's Wednesday, Gus said. You're not very good at following the rules. You say that like it's some new surprising fact about me, Sean said. Come on, Gus. I need you as a buffer between Lassie and my father in case he goes all super dad again or something. I'd do it for you. You know I would. When you were having problems with your family last Christmas, I was right there with you. You were the reasons we were having problems, Gus protested. That's really not the point, Sean said. The point is that I was there. Gus sighed. He knew a losing battle when he saw one, and he figured it was just best to give in. Fine, but I get shotgun, Gus said. It's a deal, buddy, Sean said, and they stared at each other for a beat, and then they both bolted for Lassiter's car. Sean made it to the door first, but Gus pushed at him as he followed him in, forcing Sean to the middle, so that he ended up sitting with the police radio between his legs. Laster watched this display rather calmly, and then heaved a sigh. Remind me why it is I'm with you? Laster asked. You're holding out for my explosion gigantesta de romance royalties check, Sean said. I promised you a house on the beach and a cherry red Ferrari. That show has a daily budget of $200, Gus said, pushing Sean a little further away to settle in the seat. The only way you're buying a Ferrari is if it's made by Matchbox. Sean adjusted one of his legs abruptly, and Gus let out a yelp of pain before slapping Sean in the shoulder. Sean moved to strike back, and Laster caught his hand. Make no mistake, Laster said. I will shoot you both if you harm a single speck of finish on this car. Laster released Sean's hand and pulled onto the road, pushing his sunglasses on with one hand while he steered with the other. Sean noted that he was putting on his game face, the one he used when he was about to go round up a suspect or visit his mother. Sean moved uncomfortably, jarring Laster every few moments. Okay, let's go over the plan, he said. What plan? Gus asked. The how to survive dinner with Henry plan, Sean said. I don't know about you two, but I'm going to be fine, Gus said. Mr. Spencer likes me. Why do you think you're here? Sean asked. You're the designated buffer. That, and I really could use some of those anti-anxiety pill samples. Tonight will go much more smoothly if we crush them up in my father's food. I didn't bring any samples, Sean, Gus snapped and I don't give them out to people intent on illicit activities. Gus smiled angelically at a Lassiter. I'm very careful with my samples. Just keep them out of my food and we're fine, Lassiter told him gruffly. Focus, people, Sean said. We're going into the lion's den here. Sean, you're a grown man, Gus said. 
You need to stop being afraid of your father. Oh, like you're not afraid of him, Sean said. When he grabbed you by the ankle, you were screaming bloody murder. That's out of context, Gus snapped. I thought he was Pennywise. So, let me get this straight, Sean said. I'm too old to be afraid of my father, but it's perfectly acceptable for you to still believe a killer clown lives in the sewers intent on eating you alive. Gus didn't meet his eyes. Yes, he said. That's ridiculous, Sean told him. And everyone is afraid of my father, even Lassie. I'm not afraid of Henry, Laster said as he pulled into the Spencer driveway. What's with all this denial? Sean asked. It's okay to admit fear. My dad's a scary guy. If you go in there unprepared, it's going to get us all killed. Gus rolled his eyes and got out of the car. We're going to dinner, not war. Sean followed him out. That's what you think now, he said. But you're just blinded by the thought of dessert. He'll probably murder us both and then give you a cupcake so that you'll swear in court you didn't see a thing. Sounds good to me, Gus said. I won't have to listen to you two bicker anymore, and I'll have a cupcake. Laster took off his sunglasses. Wait a second, he said. You're complaining about me and Sean bickering? The two of you haven't shut up since we picked you up. That's not bickering, Gus protested. It's witty banter. He's right, Sean said. We bicker, and Gus and I banter. The difference is the sexual tension. He started up the porch and went inside without knocking. We're here, he shouted. He started for the kitchen and then pulled to a dead stop, causing Gus to bang into him and Laster to pause a step short of doing the same. There's cupcakes, Sean said nervously. This is not a good omen. Henry had a cupcake tree with neatly decorated cupcakes in each tier. He'd no doubt ordered it straight from the Martha Stewart catalog. Gus's eyes grew huge and he started towards them but Sean held him back. Henry entered the kitchen from the other side. You're late, he said gruffly. Blame Gus, Sean said. He made me waste, like, three minutes convincing him to come. I thought tonight it was going to be just the happy couple, Henry said. So you can interrogate us, Sean said. It's going to be a little harder with a witness, isn't it? Henry grinned wryly. What do you think the cupcakes are for? Help yourself, Gus. Thank you, Mr. Spencer. Gus said, disentangling himself from Sean's grip to make a beeline for the cupcakes. I knew it! Sean shouted. You're like an evil baking genius. You probably dosed the frosting with truth serum. Henry crossed his arms and leaned against the kitchen sink. You're not going to distract me this time. We need to talk. Laster sighed and nodded. I know we do, he said, and I know you're worried about my intentions. You're welcome to ask me anything that you... Not you. You, I trust, Henry said turning to look at Sean. You. Me, Sean said. Here I am, wasting all this time worrying about your love life, when I should be worrying about your life, Henry snapped. I heard about what happened at the Graves' mansion. What the hell were you thinking, Sean? Don't you ever learn? I don't think I like where this is going, Sean said to Laster. Say something mean and overbearing so he focuses his attention back on you. Laster shook his head. I don't want to interrupt, he said, raising his hands as he stepped out of the line of fire. I'm really starting to suspect you're doing it on purpose, Henry said, leaning into Sean's face. You've had as many guns pointed at you in three years as I have in thirty. They're not always pointed at me, Sean protested. Sometimes they're pointed at Gus. Why do you say that like it's better? Gus demanded through a mouthful of cupcake. This has to stop, Sean, Henry said. You need to stop and think before you go putting yourself in these situations. Enough is enough. Hold on, Sean said, holding out his hands. This is not the way this is supposed to go. 
You're supposed to be harassing Lassie, not me. Lester crossed his arm. Well, he's got a point, you know. You do that, he said. You put yourself in danger. You called me this time, and I'm glad that you did. But you should have called me the moment you figured it out. We could have gone to Eveline's together. See? Henry snapped. If you don't listen to me, at least listen to Lassiter. But I don't listen to either of you, Sean protested. It's a vital part of my personality. Gus, help me out here. Gus was carefully unwrapping his second cupcake. You don't listen to me either, he said helpfully. Henry turned back to Lassiter. I know my son's a handful, believe me, so I want to thank you for looking out for him, he said. I don't even want to think what might have happened if you hadn't shown up. Nothing would have happened, Sean said indignantly. I'd already disarmed her. Laster looked really cool and all, coming to the rescue, but... No thanks necessary, Laster said, as though Sean hadn't spoken. Though it is kind of like my new full-time job. But, Sean started, hey, imagine having to raise him, Henry said. He was already climbing out of the crib before he was two years old, and things haven't gotten any easier since. If anything, I imagine they've gotten worse, Laster agreed. Sean, resenting that he was being ignored, walked away and sat down beside Gus. He glared over at his father and Laster, who had started trading tips on how best to handle him. They're getting along, he told Gus. This is like my worst fear come to life. I thought you wanted them to get along, Gus said. I wanted them to not kill each other, Sean said. But this is worse, much worse. They're going to be friends. It is a scary thought, Gus agreed. Mr. Spencer and Lassiter joining forces. My life as I know it is over, isn't it? Sean asked, slumping dejectedly. Here, Gus said, have a cupcake. Ahead of the rest When I'm always on time You 
Got A's on your algebra tests I failed and they kept me behind I just gotta get off my chest 